Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined today first by Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. Welcome. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, we got a couple. We got a couple courses. I don't mind the two courses. I do mind when it's like three. We got that coming up soon, right? Uh, that that that's a problem for me. While the year is ending, we are starting multiple course season because there's going to be a lot of that. Coming up, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, American Express, Tory Pines. This one, there's probably a couple more that I'm not thinking of off the Pebble top. Beach. Of head. Pebble Beach, yeah, there's a big boy. Yeah, there's. It's gonna happen. Yep, it is. And the reason for that is the daylight. Uh, you have a lot less daylight now, so it's a lot harder to go with a, a two wave spread this time of year, thanks to um, you know Mother Nature and winter. Daylight savings, all of the above. So it's something that we have to deal with. Uh, and I, like you, Sia, anybody who's into the data, who likes to comb through the numbers, well, it creates a little bit of a problem. Um, but this gives you an opportunity to use a little nuance, use a little feel, um, some experience, and try to find some guys. So uh, all in all, I think it's an exciting week. And I agree with you. I have no problem with two courses. It's one round at the plantation course, three rounds at the seaside course. Um, and and I think there's I think there's more than enough for us to get a good handle on this week. Uh, all right, let's just jump right in. Troy, if you want to share my screen, it's uh, my website, rickrungood.com. This is the course key stats model. It models the seaside course because Sia Greg was alluding to it. That's that's your host course. 75% of the rounds going to be played at seaside. Uh, so each each of Thursday and Friday, everyone in the field will play the seaside course once, the plantation course once. There will be a cut, and then they will return to the host course, the seaside course, to play the final two rounds. So this is the one we should really be paying attention to. 
completely agree. This is the one. And it'll be interesting. I mean, I think this is one of those where we also have to gauge the wind. I think if, if Seaside wasn't the hint there, like the, we might have some wind, maybe some waves to consider in, in your DFS lineups, but we're just not there yet on a Monday. Uh, with that said, I think we're going to see a lot of scoring. Especially, you know, you know, I, I shouldn't say especially on the weekend. The plantation course is going to be a little bit easier of the two, but I, I, this is just going to be one for me. Where, and I see here on Rick Run Good, we we have sort of the stats that we should be the metrics we should be paying attention to. But I'm also going to be look at this, looking at the scoring stats, whether that's stroke gained on strokes gained on on par fives or just flat out DK scoring, birdie or better. You know, those types of of metrics are going to be really important to me, but. Uh, the approach game is certainly going to be really important for me as well. Yeah, blindly following the model says that driving accuracy is important. But Greg, when you lean into that a little bit and start to uncover it, you realize a couple of things. These are fairly generous fairways at the seaside course. A lot of guys are going to be playing from the fairway, but the issue becomes when you miss the fairways by a lot. Uh, you can bring water into play. You can bring marshes into play. I think it's 10 holes that water is in play on the seaside course, 13 or 14 on the plantation course. And you'll you'll notice that a lot of guys are, are going to club down because it's like 7,000 yards. It's one of the shortest courses that we have on the PGA Tour schedule. Yes. And it, it is an advantage to get it in play. Um, so I, I do, while the fairways are wide and there's a little bit of room to hit it, I think you do see guys club down quite a bit, um, but I I do see this is one of the one of the venues where when I look at past results, I always like to look at the top ten in the previous three years at least. And when I go back through, I see a lot of I mean, looking at last year, you got a Mackenzie Hughes, you got a Tom Hoagie, you got a Seamus Power, who we've learned is very good on these kind of courses. Uh, you have a Webb Simpson in there, a Denny McCarthy in inside the top ten. Uh, you go back and look at the year before you have Robert Streb, Kevin Kisner, Cameron Tringale, um, Harris English, Zach Johnson in the mix, Corey Connors. So you have a number of players in each of the past three years that really fit this model. Tyler Duncan, Webb Simpson, Brendan Todd. This is in 2020. Um, Denny McCarthy again um, and Alex Noren. So th there's kind of a list of usual suspects not necessarily the individuals, but the style. They're typically not long hitters, uh, maybe on the crafty side of things, but accuracy definitely seems to be the main theme. And I think the numbers in your model and your regression model really pan out. And I don't feel that way every week. You know, there are some weeks where I'm really looking heavy at approach. I see guys that are great iron players um, uh, littered on top of the leaderboard. And the model will say um, driving distance is actually the most important thing. So this is one where I feel a little bit more confidence in at least the style, because the what I see with my eyes and what I see in the model really match up. Uh, love when that happens. The other thing is, and see, I'm gonna I'm gonna show the cheat sheet here, but don't look at any of the names. We're not we're not there yet. We're not ready to look right. at names. We're not ready to look at pricing. Uh, just look at the history column, okay? And what I tend to notice about this golf course is it's very reminiscent, or this tournament, I should say, because it's technically two golf courses. It's kind of reminiscent of Tory Pines, where you'll get win, miscut, miscut, T four, 
miss, you know, there's not like a, there are obviously guys who have played this golf course better than others, but you'll see guys with two top tens and two missed cuts or two top 15s and a missed cut and a 63. There's not a lot of strong course history out there. And I, and I think it's noteworthy because we've got the course rotation. You could get stuck on the wrong side of the draw. It, it, it does make sense when it, when you, you know, uh, look past the, the eye test. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that because course history, and I, there's there's not a real reason that I do this, but I, I typically look at that early in my process just to get an idea. I mean, there, there's a lot of different reasons why you'd want to look at course history first. Um, but in this one, I, I really didn't pay attention to course history at all. For me, I, I, I was looking at, you know, what metrics in my model do I want to put in there? Um, who do I think is a really good course fit? And then I took it like, don't get me wrong, I took a glance at course history, but it's just not something I'm super interested in unless, and there, there's only a handful, and by handful, I mean like a few, where it's like pretty remarkable course history, and I'm willing to maybe take a peek at that. Outside of that, uh, to your point, um, not super interested in examining that in a way that's really going to influence me. Uh, yeah, maybe the guy with the best course history, at least recently, is Webb Simpson, who's like the biggest question mark ever. So, Greg, it's it's um, you know, I don't know if it's less on course history this week than most weeks, or we're out of our minds. Like, what's your what are your thoughts on on this year? You look at well, you you mentioned all the water that's out there on the golf course, um, and and I think there's a pretty strong correlation between golf courses with a lot of penalty areas and a lot of variance in course history. The, the the number one golf course that sticks out to me is the Players Championship, where some guys, you know, you'll see winners and nobody wins back to back, and there's very few, you know, strings of success because you you have to. It's not like you can know where to miss. You got to step up and hit the shot sometimes. And if you're off one week or you hit one shot, that's off. It can be the difference between missing the cut and being in contention to win. And this golf course is definitely reminiscent of that. And then you add in the weather characteristics. That's another thing like an open championship where guys, the open's probably not as good of a, an example because I think there are some expert links players. Um, but but all in all, when you have wind, when you have water, that combination leads to a lot of volatility. Um, it leads to a little bit more randomness. Whereas Augusta National, you don't have a ton of water. You don't have a lot of penalty areas and you typically get pretty nice weather. And that leads to um, a test where it's a little bit more predictable. And so you get stronger course history. Of course, knowledge really comes into play. Here, the execution of the shots come into play a little bit more. And when a guy's really feeling it off the tee uh, and they're putting the ball in play, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to go make some birdies because you can't make, there's not a lot of par fives out there, right? You're talking about a par 70 here on the uh, seaside course and the scores will get to, you know, 17 to 20 under for the most part, somewhere in that range, which is still pretty low for a par 70. Um, but, but I think that's why you don't see sticky course history here. Fair enough. Yeah. Sticky is the word I was thinking about. Not not so sticky around uh, Sea Island. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into the top of this board and we are going to work our way down tier through tier through the pricing. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And we're back. The $10,000 range, gentlemen. It's very small. It's only three names. Uh, Tony Finau, 11200 Seamus Power, 10-5. Brian Harmon, 10-3. Sia, I can't remember a time. We've only had three guys in the $10,000 range. And which one or ones are you most interested in? It's funny to me that there's only three. Did they just not want to give Tom Hoagie the credit of a flat 10K? Is that what was really happening there? No respect. That's just interesting. Um, so there's only one player I'm, I'm quite interested in here. And it's not Tony Finau, believe it or not, because, of course, I'm playing Greg's narrative. There's just no way Tony Finau would be good uh, this week. But, you know, listen, with the 10K range, I think we do have to see where ownership plays out. I think the 10K range melts into the 9K range very, very easily once you look past Tony Finau. So to me, the 10K range is pretty arbitrary after Tony Finau. So it's Seamus Power. I I think that's the guy I like the most. One thing I'll, I'll note, you know, whether you're using the Rick Run Good custom model or any other model, this dude isn't going to rate out very well, right? Because his metrics are just horrific for quite a period of time, particularly on approach, which we are going to be looking very strongly at. The putter has been good throughout his sort of bad stretch, but the non-measured events, Butterfield, Bermuda, the My- at Mayakoba, first in a T3, he has good history here. And what's interesting to me is, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, Seamus Power is back. Like, we're, we're seeing the Seamus power that I remember from like a year ago. Well, it turns out if you scroll down here, Rick, back to this time of year in 2021, this was the Seamus power that we fell in love with literally a year ago for T4 at the RSM classic T15 at the century, which I guess isn't saying a ton, but at the Sony T3, T14, T9 at AT AT&T at at Pebble beach, the American express, like this is, I I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I mean, I I think we, we are seeing Seamus power return to the form of, you know, 365 days ago. And I'm happy to take him, especially if he's going to get somewhat ignored. Yeah, it's worth noting that if you are modeling on ball striking, if you're modeling on T to green play, Seamus Power is going to be overly penalized. Uh, if you are modeling on strokes game total in some capacity, you might get a little bit of a boost on power because his two most recent events that win in the T3 uh, non-measured events. So you still get the stroke chain total stuff, but C is absolutely right that if you're if you're just looking at the ball striking stuff, he doesn't shake out all that well. Uh, Greg, it's Finau, it's Power, it's Harmon. How do we assess the top end? Um, I am not overthinking this one. 
Um, I look right at the top. I look at Tony Finau, a player with a complete game. And we spoke about this yesterday, Rick. You know, he's a guy that's answered his best questions. The biggest questions about Tony Finau through his career have been answered. And there's a bonus. And the bonus is his driving accuracy has really improved. Um, And he led the field last week. I don't think that was a fluke. I think that was part of the strategy. And think about you know, the two of his last three wins, one came at the 3M Open, uh, TBC Twin Cities. There's a lot of water out there. Driving accuracy models out to be a very important aspect of that golf course. Um, you think about Liberty National and while that may be a little bit of a bigger piece of property where the Northern Trust was two years ago, there's still some Penal, there's there's penalty areas out there and you have to get the ball in play. And I think Tony Finau's accuracy off the tee has been an underrated aspect of his game. And this week, I think he's going to have another opportunity to utilize that. The putter has been as hot as it's ever been. Um, and then you add into this perfect storm the results that we've had with favorites so far this year or very near favorites. So I'm, I'm not overthinking this one. It's disappointing to me that Seamus power and Brian Harmon are both in this range because I would probably be very high on them, but they're outclassed by Tony Finau to me Uh, as good as they've been as good of players as they are. I just think they're outclassed by Tony Finau Um, and, and I'm willing to pay up for that. Last 30 rounds, Tony Finau is gaining two and a half strokes per round. That's insane. The gap between him and number two, Taylor Montgomery, is nearly nine-tenths of a stroke per round. Uh, Then you take that gap from Taylor Montgomery down. It's basically down to Steven Yeager, Sahith. It's basically down to 18th or 19th in the field. So the gap gap is uh, substantial, Greg. He's lapping the field. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm looking at that and... Normally, I would say, hey, we're going to get something that evens out here. But that's just that's not what we've been getting. Uh, My rules that Sia mentioned earlier have been (laughs) violated far too many times for me to keep them in play. So I think this is the time when you kind of look past those standard rules you have. This is the time to adjust. Uh, Well, you're already late to the party if you haven't adjusted already, but it's the time to adjust. And again, I just go back to the, the favorites are winning now and uh, tony fits that mold and he's he is surprisingly a great course fit uh even though that may not be the first thing that comes to your mind i think he's shown us that these style golf courses actually do fit his game really well so i'm not overthinking it i i unfortunately am gonna have to fade power and Harmon as much as i like them just because uh, i'm so favorable on fino just to rick just to boldface uh, greg's point and i did say this at the outset I mean, it is Tony Finau and everybody else. Like normally, like if 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 we still want to run the narrative, just for the sake of a hypothetical or the sake of argument, that hey, you know, back to back winner. Like usually, when you're talking about back to back winners, like you've got other guys in the field that are of the caliber of the person who had just won, whether it be Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth or you know, basically name a golfer inside the top twenty. We don't have that here. And, and frankly, we're not exactly getting an extreme price on Tony Finau, given what we just saw on Rick Run Good with the disparity between him and the number two guy, which we, we would have already kind of known going into this tournament anyway. So I do think there's great cause to play Tony Finau. I think I would just want to know, maybe you play him anyway, but I would just want to know what his ownership is going to be ultimately, which of course we don't know right now. 
Uh, worth noting that third guy, Brian Harmon, he's been pretty good too. Uh, eight consecutive cuts made, six of them are top 25s, coming off a runner-up finish at Mayakoba. He generally plays out of the fairway quite frequently and is RSM uh, history. It's extensive. His best finish is a T4 in 2017. He had a top 10, a T10 in 2013, another one, a T14 in, in 2019. So a decent collection of results for the other guy in that 10K range. Let's go to the nines, and this is where uh, Sia says this is the the bottom of the tens have kind of bled into the top of the nines here, Sia. So you'll get first crack at this nine k range. Where would you like to go first? This is a great range, and if you're if you're willing to fade Tony Fee now, and you're not convinced by what I said on Seamus Power, great, it's a great time to start your lineup in the nine k range. So I'll start with Tom Hoagie at ninety eight hundred. Listen, if you put him at a flat ten k, given his course fit, I, I think that would be absolutely fine. It's just a more evidence that the 10K and the 9K range sort of just bleed into each other. But, you know, Hoagie, we we know what he's doing with the wedges. We know how hot he can get on approach. He's number one on approach, last 24 rounds for the record. Uh, the putter can get hot. Green's in regulation in there. Birdies, DK scoring, however you want to slice it from scoring stats or approach stats or getting hot with the putter. You know, around the green play has hampered him as of late, but that's I shouldn't say as of late because I'm looking at this board. It looks, oh no, it, it is as of late. I'm sorry. I was looking at approach, but that, that's not going to factor in too much here. That's not a, a point of emphasis for me. So I think Tom Hoagie checks every box. And if you want to start your lineup right there, again, given his ability to get hot, you know, he, Tom Hoagie can crash and burn sometimes too, but when he gets hot, you know, he's, he's first round leader. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's there on Sunday late afternoon as well. Uh, excellent wedge player going at larger than average greens should de-emphasize around the green play. That's uh, Tom Hoagie's major weakness. Okay, Greg, this 9K range, it, it is stacked. Lots of great options. How would we like to allocate our funds here? All right, I'm going to go back to the well. Um, and I've talked about this so much over the past couple, you know, the past little bit. But again, I'm not overthinking this. I'm going back to Jason Day. You knew yep. it, Rick. Um, and, and I don't see a reason not to. The iron play has been fantastic week in and week out. So he, like Tony Finau, has answered the biggest question. And here's the other thing. Look at this. Let's say you're going to play Tony Finau. If you're going to play in a, in let's say the at the Genesis, you're going to play somebody who's at eleven thousand two hundred. Um, if you go down at, with your next spot to somebody at ninety four hundred, you're probably skipping over what ten, twelve guys, but like like a uh, you know a healthy list of players in between Jason Day and Tony Finau. But in this case, I can get a. It, as high of upside as there is in the field, the best player in the field and Tony Finau and somebody who's been playing extremely consistent golf, Tita Green, who's got great results, who has played well here in the past, um, who kind of checks every box for me uh, in, in a Jason Day. So I, I'm just, I'm very intrigued by that where you only have to skip four guys from Tony Finau down to Jason Day and you're already in the 9,400 range. I wonder how that's going to affect ownership uh, in general because you have such a small $10,000 and $9,000 range. See, do you think that pushes everybody right up to Finau? 
Well, so I, I'm not sure because if you put those two in your lineup, if that's what you're saying, you're left with 7,350 the rest of the way. Now, there's there's a lot of good guys in that low 7K range. I think everybody will agree with that. But I, I, I wonder if that's how much people will want to leave themselves because, you know, the 6K range, I think it's good at the top but not good in the middle or at the bottom. So I, I'm not sure if, if people are going to play it that way. But to your point, they certainly can. You know, but whether that's going to be popular, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not because I think it's a. I think there's a there's a great way to set it up doing that. But um, worth worth noting, Jason Day's gain strokes tee to green in eight straight measured events. He's gained strokes on approach in eight straight measured events. Uh, the results are piling up. T8, T11, T21, T16 in his last four. And what I like to see, Greg, is is this. Just round by round last week, gained at least a stroke to the field in every round. It was it was plus one and a half, plus one, plus 2.2, plus 2.75 on Sunday. Was great on the weekend and was great every day. This is one of those situations like Xander um, at the Travelers last year where it happens and he wins. And it's like, well... <laughs> Well, duh. I mean, we, we all saw this coming, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's eight straight top 15 finishes. He's been playing so consistent, so well-rounded, and all of a sudden he wins. But sometimes with these, if you've been following my advice, w- whether you have or not, I, I don't know, but let's say you have been and you're taking Jason Day every week and he's giving you, you know, a T21, T11, T16, and you're like, ah, that's all right. But, you know, I've been here too long. I, I've been playing Jason Day too many weeks in a row, and now I want to get off. Well, this is, now isn't the time to get off because this is a guy that's trending in the right direction. Um, he's fixed the iron play. The driver is following suit, which tells me he's fixed the golf swing. Uh, and you're starting to see the rest of his game return to Jason Day-like form. So I think this is low-key, one of the best players in the field who we kind of feel like is past his prime, and we're just kind of... You know, we're done with Jason Day. We've had too many horror stories of injury and too many letdowns in the last couple of years. But I think we've really seen a resurgence. Um, and and this he, he could be the second best player in this field without question. I think you can get the top two in your lineup at that point. He's gained strokes in 13 out of his last 14 routes. Uh, which I imagine if I went and ran the last 14 rounds for everybody in the field, it's a very small number of guys who have gained in 13 or more of those. It's a guy who's ready to win. Mm. And and Rick, in the I agree, by the way. And I think we might have said that. I, I might have said that last week about Jason Day. It was like one or two guys where I, I was like, this could be their coming out part of meaning last week, of course. But I mean, I, I feel like it's any moment now. And again, similar to last week in this field, it absolutely could be Jason Day's turn, the, the way he's trending. For the record, I did want to point out another 9K guy that I like. Yeah, and there's more for sure. There, there's a couple guys, there's a couple reasons I want to point it out because of the lineup I've constructed in this 9K range. But it's Matthew Naismith. I really think there's actually, you know, he's 9,000. That sounds like a lot, but I do think he checks every box. And I think he's a value actually at 9,000. If we look at the, um, if we look at the numbers here, first of all, he's great on approach. We've we kind of always known that, but the scoring stats really check out too. Uh, he's also good on par fives. The around the green game is is what has troubled him. But look, look what we see here. The approach game and the putter can get red hot. He seems like a great course fit. Um, so I, I really like Matthew Naismith at 9,000. I'll just point out that if you play Jason Day, 
at 9,400, Tom Hoagie at 9,800, and Matthew Naismith at 9,000. You're left with 7,267, which is right about what we had left with Tony Finau and Jason Day. But instead of getting Tony Finau like the king here and Jason Day, I'm getting three guys in the 9K range that I really like. And now I can like get a guy that's 7K, maybe a guy that's 7,100, and leaves me with my final spot at like 7,500, 7,600. I think that's great lineup construction here. See, this is like my darling lineup. Right. It's like all right. my favorite. It's if I did no research and just looked at the name basis, all my favorite guys. Uh, I mean, you could set that up. So I'm obviously on board with that. So mm-hmm. this, um, this, this T53 in Houston for Matthew Neesmith might have just been knocking off the rust, right? It was T9 runner up T9 before that. And he had two really, really good rounds Friday and Sunday. I mean, Saturday was horrendous. He punted seven shots back to the field, but, um, you could argue at least we saw a little bit of that ceiling, a little bit of that upside. And he, he too has probably gained like, I don't know, in 12 of his last 14, 12 of his last 15, something like that. So we've got a decent stretch of golf after a month off. And for the record, to the extent you want to look at course history, we see it right here on the cheat sheet, 29th, 15th, and 14th over the last three. I mean, that that's pretty great. That's basically the best. Uh, hold on. Let me – Other than maybe Webb. Yeah, Webb. Web, so I just went back to 2019 because, Greg, um, they did a plantation redesign in 19, right? Uh, that sounds right. Okay. So when yeah, I, I believe was, so. When I was doing history, I just I just went back to 19. I could go back forever, but uh Webb at 16 rounds, 2.25, then Neesmith of anybody else who's got uh at least 10 rounds is second, 12 rounds, 1.38. So yeah, he's definitely on the upper end of uh of the of the tournament history as well. And uh, one last thing on Neesmith. Um doesn't that kind of remind you of Finau missing the cut right after a little break? I, I, when I did my DFS previous morning, Greg said the same exact thing, right? Long yeah. break shakes off the rust. Uh, it's a pretty good missed cut for Finau. It's like a pretty good 53rd finish for Neesmith. And now he just gets right back to doing what he was doing. I agree. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, well, I got one other guy in this range that I like. Sure. I got like uh, two. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, Joel Damon. Yeah. That's one of them. He's swinging so good right now. Unbelievable. He, I mean, it, this guy, we talked about this earlier in the year, maybe the um, exhaustion at the end of the season push for the playoffs and how it kind of, you know, it, it was pretty bad for a while. Well, it's it's back. The results are showing it. The stats are showing it. The What he's done tee to green. I mean, well, let's start with it. Look at what he's done with the putting, right? I mean, he is bleeding strokes with putting. And and his results are still all inside the top 40. Uh, th- that's a that's a good sign in a lot of ways, especially when you've answered the, uh, you know, when, when you fixed the real problem, which was your ball striking. Now you kind of got that back under control. Now you can spend a little bit more time on the greens and it's a higher likelihood that the putting, like you can see last week in Houston, it gets back to closer to level from where it had been, where he'd been losing two or three strokes every single time out. Um, now all of a sudden it gets a little closer and you could see a good putting week out of Joel. He's the best T to green player in this field over the last 12 rounds. It's not particularly close 2.28 then no one else over two and only three guys over 1.65. And that does not even include a T 16 at Zozo and a T three at Mayakoba, I assume he hit it well those weeks because of yeah. the results, but they're non-measured events. So this is now a five-event stre- five stretch of 
very solid golf from Joel Damon. And now you're going to a great course fit. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of a perfect storm for him too. Uh, Denny McCarthy will likely catch some steam here. 10th in 2022, 8th in 2020, had an okay start. You know, nothing to write home about last week, but had a sixth place finish the year before that. It's, you know, it's 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 Denny on any putting surface, but it's Denny on Bermuda. It's Denny on a golf course that's only 7,000 yards. It This is basically Denny season. And then next year, it's like a hit or miss. Yeah. It, look, if you're a big Denny fan, um, this may be your... You know, you feel like this is your last chance to play him for a while. Maybe Sony would be a good fit for him too. Um, but the thing is, for me, uh, looking at all the other options in this range, like the Day, the Damon, the Neesmith, I mean, those guys are so, uh, you even throw Hoagie in there. There are so many boxes to check with those guys. Uh, to me, Denny kind of gets left out, unfortunately, but he is a great course fit. The $8,000 range, we're going to start to get to some wider ranges and have to chat through some value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. $8,000 range. Matt Kuchar, Sahith Tagala, Patrick Rogers, Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Pendrith. And then the bottom, Webb Simpson, question mark, Kevin Kisner, Justin Rose, Davis Riley, Brendan Todd, Wyndham Clark, Sia Najad. What in the world? Do we do in the eights? I'm very confused with this range. And so the way I'm constructing my lineups, I mean, the, what you just heard from me, the three 9K guys, I don't even mess with the 8K range if that's going to be, going to be my lineup construction. The, the thing you have to consider there is if everybody sort of agrees with me, then, then there might be some ownership leverage you can gain by putting a couple extra guys in this 8K range in your tournament lineups. With all that said, I'm going to go with a very a couple very like non-sexy plays. Who was the well, – let me ask you guys – in the 8K range, who is the most non-sexy play, or at least top? give me the top two non-sexy plays in this range? The least sexy play in the entire range is Justin Rose. Okay, that's one of the two. What's the second oh. least sexy range? Uh, Brendan Todd. Max. Okay, I knew you were going to say that, but there's one more that's Matt out Kuchar. there in boldface. Kuch. Yes, thank you. Okay, so All right. No one has ever been excited to play Kuchar. Kuchar and exactly. Todd were the two guys I had. Todd is like Todd is like the sexiest man in America compared to Matt Kuchar. Yeah. Well, well, Kuchar Kuchar and Todd were, I feel like, the number one and number two seed for most non-sexy in the AK range. Justin Rose is third there, I think. But, you know, I don't know. I haven't decided if I like Rose. I'm not going to be on Brendan Todd. But Matt Kuchar, I I think I do like, especially because, hey, he's non-sexy. He's 8,900. I just don't think he's going to get rostered. And, And I think we're seeing something from him. 
with respect to the putter and with respect to the approach game that I can hang my hat on a little bit on this course where it doesn't require you to be long in any way. I feel like this is a tournament where Matt Kuchar could pop up um, because of those things. That approach game's starting to look good. T27 at Mayakoba, so we can assume he was at least okay there. Again, it's not sexy. Can he top five this thing? I, I don't think so, actually. But again, if, if he's just going to get ignored that I think I'd be willing to play Matt Kuchar. Justin Rose is a huge question mark for me. I think he's big time volatile, right? Like he's the type of guy that could be, you know, seven under on, on day one, or he could be like four over and you're like, okay, well there, there goes my tournament lineup. So, but again, I don't really mind that volatility. I'm not going to be all in on the guy in the first play, but I think he's starting to look, you know, okay on approach. We know the putter can get hot. The DK scoring, like if you want to look at those metrics, the scoring metrics, he does rate out pretty well there the only other guy i'll consider in this 8k range he's right above brendan todd it's davis riley he's just been a cut maker and i and i continue to think guys like davis riley have have pretty great upside especially in a field like this um also has been flashing on approach um greens and regulation is great birdie or better gained rates out pretty well so that's a guy i'm considering i think 8100 is reasonable for davis riley there is one and only one name in the eight thousand dollar range greg this is the guy that wins you all the money. It's the guy. There's we don't have to talk about anybody else once we talk about this guy. Oh. Um wins you all the money. Yeah. So I got two guesses here. Okay. Is this a personal favorite of yours? I don't even really have favorites, but I I, I don't know. Uh, Ouch, Victor Hovland. Apologies. Um, I don't. I honestly don't even know how I feel about this person, or how you perceive that I feel about this person. I guess. <laughs> hmm. All right, so I'm going to go Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah, that's the answer. Wow, yeah. that was amazing. Good <laughs> well, I, the other one I had in mind was Patrick Rogers, and the reason I thought that is, well, he's not known for being accurate. And so he's probably not going to be very popular, but at the same time, you have seen like a Luke list pop up for a top 10 here. Rogers has been playing. Well, maybe he was the guy, but I agree. Mackenzie Hughes was a guy I wrote down as well. This is a joke. $8,500. He should be $9,500. He's got four. Yes. He's got four starts this season. 25th win 23rd, 16th. And the history here's, Phenomenal. He won it a couple of years ago. He finished runner-up last year. He has basically the same exact lead-in form as he did in any of those years. Like, I don't know how it in what what world is Matt Kuchar more expensive? In what world is <laughs> Tagala more expensive? It like in what world are we living in that Mackenzie Hughes is eighty six hundred dollars? This is Mackenzie Hughes. This is like his his course. Like literally you, the course. Right. If I when I think Mackenzie Hughes, RSM is the first thing that pops to mind. Um, it, it just it makes so much sense. The one concern that I had when I was looking into this earlier, and I can't stand this kind of logic because I, I just don't think it's a good way to play a fantasy game. And this is the logic where you look at somebody's record, you look at their recent form, and you try to just predict what it's going to look like next year when you look back. Right. You're not looking at the metric. You're not looking with any reason. There's no reason behind it. It's just, well, he finished second last year. He missed a bunch of cuts in between his second and his win. So there's no way he's going to play well again. It's too volatile. So this is the year where we get a missed cut. I don't think that's a smart way to look at it. Um, what, what I like to look at here and what I've looked at with most of the other plays is these recent results. 
Uh, and with Mackenzie Hughes, I, I almost turn a blind eye on some golf courses, especially ones like this to the off the tee performance. But what I see with his approach play, what I see with his short game and putting, and what I see in the results columns are three check marks. Um, so yeah, this he's underpriced. I do worry that when he, he can spray it a little bit. Um, but other than that, like, I just I just don't see a path in which he's eighty six hundred dollars and not living in a lot of my. I mean, he's been great. He's been great this year. He's been great this year. Great. I don't know what his FedEx Cup rank or whatever is, but like this season has been phenomenal for him. Yes, and and why wouldn't that continue? Um, it, it's like he's changed his mindset. You know, he's worked on a couple of things. He added that distance. He's hitting the gym a little bit, and I, whether or not that's important this week is irrelevant. What is important is the mindset. And Mackenzie Hughes feels like he's ready. He feels like he's earned his place near the top of these leaderboards. Um, and and if you say that's going to continue this week, you're you're not necessary. You're not wrong. I mean, I guess we'll find out, but um, it, it's not a bad take. Uh, Brandon Todd was another one that I liked. You know, this is again short short golf course, play out of the fairway, roll the rock well. It's 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 uh, Denny McCarthy. And then Brandon Todd in terms of Bermuda putters in this field. Um, we've seen him pop a couple times already this year with approach play. He, he's the other name that jumps Yeah. Out. Well, if you're thinking driving accuracy is important, um, you got to circle Brandon Todd's name because he is just accurate. I, I am interested in the... Um, I mean, this is so not sexy. It's hard to, it's hard to talk about. But, I mean, look at that putting prowess, Rick. It's just so I mean, good. Find yourself a guy who gains strokes putting every event back to Mexico. And I found him. His name's Brendan Todd. Yeah. Wow. You know, the other thing too, when you start to look at where Brendan Todd has success, like the, the form of his game, it, it looks different than some other players. Cause it, there are places he goes where a T 53 and I wouldn't consider Mayakoba one. I, I probably expected a better performance at Mayakoba. But there are some places Brendan Todd can go where a T53 is fine. You know, that's like a, a nice finish for him. And it probably means he's hitting it really well. But uh, it's a big golf course. He's at a disadvantage compared to his playing competitors just because of distance. But when he gets to a place like this, a really fast golf course like the CJ Cup, um, you know, a, a place with manageable distance like uh, like Napa at the Fortinet, all of a sudden you see results. So when I see Brendan Todd playing well at Brendan Todd like golf courses, um, I, I almost look past everything else. It's a it's a really good sign. Let's keep going. Seven thousand dollar range. See, uh, I won't read them all, but let's just say it's Smalley and Putnam at the top. Down at the bottom, lots of guys at seven thousand dollars, even including Ben Taylor, Danny Willett, Kevin Streelman, Kevin Yu. Mark Hubbard, actually Mark Hubbard withdrew. Uh, he's having toe surgery today. I don't know why it took hmm. until today to withdraw. We knew that. I don't know why he withdrew today. Patton Kazire, Russell Knox, Sam Ryder. This 7K range is yours. There's a lot to consider here. So, I mean, obviously the 7K range is, is usually pretty big, but I think there's some good players in here. I'll start at the top. Um, not with Alex Smalley, although I don't mind him. Uh, Andrew Putnam feels like a great course fit here. Um, short hitter. Uh, approach and putting have been really hot. And if you if you just look at his finishing positions over the last, oh God, I don't know, like six or seven tournaments, 
let's see, 35th, 48th, 29th, 2nd, 12th, 30th, 43rd. These are all obviously made cuts as well. But I think this is a place where Putnam can shine, as we see up on the board here. The approach game has been very good for quite some time, and the putting is always good. I mean, this looks like Brendan Todd, right? So, I mean, we're looking at Brendan Todd being a good course fit. I mean, this these numbers look better than Brendan Todd. We just Andrew Putnam perhaps doesn't have the name quite yet of Brendan Todd. So I think Putnam at seventy nine hundred is great. <laughs> that, that's, wow. I mean, the well, the, it's, it's true though. Brendan it, Todd. It's true though. I, I don't think like I think when we get to courses like this, Brendan Todd is at top of mind, and I don't know that Andrew you're, Putnam. Is, you're you're right. See ya. You're I right. I just don't think Putnam's there yet. It's but, just uh, a funny thing to say. It's ridiculous if you if you think about it. Um, thinking about Will Gordon, however, at 7,700, like this is a guy I just can't shake. Okay, I mean, I've been playing him for a while now. All he does is make cuts. When the putter doesn't fail him, um, he's got plenty of upside. Uh, the ball striking has been pretty great. Again, the sample size isn't tremendous, but again, the way he's making cuts, and I think he has, obviously he has upside, T3 at Mayakoba. Uh, I think that's great at 7,700. Davis Thompson, I'll consider him again. We talked about him last week. Um, another made cut. Uh, short game really failed him last week, and I, that shouldn't be as much of an issue. And frankly, the short game, when I say short game, I'm talking about the around the green game. Prior to that, he had been okay in that department. Three more names real quick. Ben Bro, Griffin at seven. Se, before, go ahead. Before you do, Greg, there's three Davises in the field. Who are they? Davis Love the third, Davis Thompson, yeah. and Davis Riley. Okay, yeah. I thought Davis Love the Third might screw you up, but yeah, congratulations. I, I did my research, Rick. Those those are the three. Go ahead, Sia. Give me three more. That's a great strokes gain narrative uh, beginning <laughs> to a team. Um, the other three names, Ben Griffin. Um, listen, if the putter's hot with Ben Griffin, he can go off. Um, approach play has been very good. He's made five cuts in a row. Another guy that's very unrecognizable among the sea of the seaside of 7K names. I think Ben Griffin is interesting as far as a, a low-cost play. Lee Hodges at 7,300, great on approach. The scoring metrics are, are great. Around the green has always been his or has recently been his issue. But again, I'm not. Super worried about that here. And then Russell Knox at 7,000, I think is pretty tremendous value. Um, elite approach game. The, the putter has been very good. Uh, I, I, I don't see why. Honestly, I think he's kind of mispriced a little bit, to be honest with you. I think he could easily be 7,600, 7,700. And I don't think we would, I don't think we would say much about that. He's gained strokes in four of his last five rounds, five of his last seven rounds. Had a good one in Houston on Friday. Gave... Gave a lot of it back on Sunday, but played well for the vast majority of those of those rounds. That's Russell Knox. I'm referring to um, the seven thousand dollar range, Greg. It's it's really a lot. I, I I agree with Will Gordon, who I think is has found something, and he has a, a top ten finish here in the past. There's a couple of other guys like a Justin Lauer, who I'm willing to kind of forgive quickly. But what what do you make of this seven thousand dollars tier? Um, well, a couple guys that Sia mentioned that I would second would be Andrew Putnam and Davis Thompson. I wrote them down. Um, but moving on, I think Sia did a great job explaining that. I, I think um, that Harris English is still trending in the right direction. We haven't, and I've been saying this for a while as well, we haven't quite gotten the hit yet, but I think we're inching closer, we're inching closer, we're inching closer. Uh, he is a Sea Island guy. Um, I, I think this will be a comfortable spot for him and maybe a great opportunity for a get-right game, if you will. He was T6 in 2020. 
Um, so he's played well here in the past, a couple other top 25 finishes as well. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with the Harris English play. I do uh, love uh, tracking. I do love tracking the Harris English stuff, which was, I mean, just completely lost across the board. That was with the injury and all that stuff. And then you see him start to find the putter. Uh, yeah, he starts to play better around the greens. Then he starts to find the approach play. And now he goes from losing seven strokes off the tee at Congaree to a small gain. And now for the first time in a while, he's kind of close to gaining across the board again, which is what he's done when he's played his best. You are whatever happens to Harris English. You have seen real tangible gains and and evidence of him plugging the leaks that is that is factual i don't know where yes. it's going from here but that is facts yeah well i i mean i think that's a sign that he's heading back to the harris english that we're familiar with right a guy who's flat out a great player uh, a guy who's in contention to make Ryder Cup teams and President's Cup teams. Uh, uh, that's the kind of game Harris English has. Um, and and a very, um, you know, there was a very distinct point where that stopped, and it was because of an injury. So we know what happened, and, and you never know when some. This is why Will Zalatoris is so interesting for you next year, right? You don't know how he's going to come back, and we've seen this journey. And I think it's a great opportunity as you see this progression to take advantage of, uh, of the price. And when, when you have a Harris English at $7,700, it just doesn't seem, you know, again, if you did no research, you had no idea what was going on. You just came down here and Harris English is at $7,700. You'd say, what is going on? Like, that's a must. Then you look back at this and you understand why, but you look a little closer and you see the progression. And I mean, that's like, uh, you know, a gem hidden in the rough to me. So I love the English play uh, again, not sure what we're going to get, but I think we're, I, I like betting on the trend, especially when you're beating the price to it. Um, another guy on my list, I think this is a really good opportunity for a get right game for Scott Stallings. Um, this seems like, you know, the Scott Stallings that we saw in the playoffs last year would be just perfect for this golf. I mean, any golf course, but this place w- would be perfect for him. Uh, and, and I think he's had some pretty nice results here in the past, though inconsistent, everybody else, uh, he's got a T nine, a T 15, um, a couple other top thirties. So I, I think, I think Scott Stallings could get right here. I'm willing to take a chance on that. And then, well, Hayden Buckley is a guy I always like, so I'm, I'm happy to continue and, and go back to Hayden. Um, you know, you see something with him that I think is elite and that's what he does off the tee. Uh, and that's why I'm comfortable kind of always going back to him. The other thing is you've seen this great approach play in the past that kind of faded off and it seems like it may be coming back a little bit now. So I'm definitely willing to um, play him just about any week. And then lastly, down at the bottom of this range, you know where I'm going to go here, Rick. Um, It's Kevin. You. (laughs) Yes. Right. I mean, he's at 7,000 flat and I think this is a rock star in the making. Um, I missed the cut at Mayakoba, probably keeping his price down. And there may be, a, maybe that happens again. I don't know, but I, I look at his game and I don't see a guy that misses a lot of cuts in the future 
um, when he really develops. I see, I see a really consistent player who who leans on uh, good putting weeks, which is exactly what you want. If you putt well, you perform well. If you don't putt well, you know you're you're in you're you're playing the weekend. You may just not be near the top of the leaderboard. Um, and and you're getting that guy in this field at seven flat. I think the talent far outweighs the price. Third, 37th, 19th, his three starts prior to that miscut in Mayakoba, and he is only $100 more expensive, $7,000 from $6,900 in Mayakoba. Okay, gents, let's find the true value on this board. The $6,000 range, uh, like a ton of guys at $6,900, including Matt Wallace, Cheston Hadley, Callum Tarrant, and the min-priced golfers this week. My God, how many guys did they put in the in the, in the $6,000? Davis Love the third, $6,000, coming off a couple of good Champions Tour finishes. Uh, Jason Duffner. Back in the field, fresh off of five consecutive missed cuts. Ryan Brem, winner on the PGA Tour last year. Oh, man, we might have to look at that stat profile. So there, there's there's, there's a lot here, See, Where do you want to go first? Danny Lee's all the way down there. I feel like he was a popular play like two or three tournaments ago for some reason. I mean, I'm a Danny, I'm a Danny Lee fan, but like I just he just hasn't he hasn't gotten there. But at six thousand, I think you could do worse. Uh, I don't love a lot of guys here. I'll mention John Huh. He hasn't been very good lately, but at the very least, he's got good course history here. If you, if you want to look at that, and as we look at Danny Lee, that's not bad. And the putter's bad, what? but at six thousand. Oh, okay. I mean, it's I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's, just, uh, he's gained ball striking two in a row, pretty significantly on approach. He's just the world. world. Remember when he had he nine putted? He, he, lo- he, he also. I mean, it is amazing. Actual fact that he has gained ball striking in two in a row. He has also missed both of those cuts. Which is like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yes. it is. It is so. It's so bad. Or like the short game is horrendous. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna have to play Danny Lee in like a three dollar lineup just just for fun because I think that's just a fun thing to do. John Ha, I mentioned Chesson Hadley. You guys know I've been on Chesson for for quite a bit. Uh, you know the putter has actually failed him quite a bit as of late, if I recall. And we're gonna bring it up. Yeah, I mean you know he's lost pretty significantly in two out of the last three, but you know he gained almost five in between that at the Shriners, and he was a big gainer with the putter prior to that. So I'm not worried about the putter at all. I do like how he can flash on approach. We saw that for let's see two, three, four, five, six out of seven. He uh, he gained on on approach, and again at 6,800, I think you can do worse than Chesson Hadley. We know he can get hot. He's shown us that before. And for the record, as far as the putter is concerned, I believe Bermuda is his best surface. Other than that, I, you know, there's a couple guys I'd be willing to speculate on that don't have good recent form that I think are good course fits. Michael Thompson is one of them. Again, if you pull up his profile, y'all are just gonna like belly laugh because it doesn't look very good. Ryan Moore is probably another one of those guys. David Lingmurth, another one of those guys. But I'm really not in love with with any of that. It's kind of an ugly range, Greg. Um, I oh boy, I'm not particularly excited about many of these guys. I could argue. <sighs> No, I'm not even going to make that argument. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean Austin Cook. I think is my favorite, which is like really like jarring. Okay, he's that got, that's jarring. He's, he's got back to back 27ths in Houston and Mayakoba. He's made three cuts in a row. He's won this event. What what are you rolling? Are, are, have you been playing craps or something? <laughs> I mean Austin Cook is like the ultimate dice roll. 
Which, hey, maybe this is where you do it. Like, who's who's better? I don't know. I mean, it's a very, very ugly range. Yes. But I think there's more here. I, I think there's more here. I, okay. I think there's the key to the lineup construction. The key to getting Tony Fino in your lineup is hitting on one of these plays. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of pressure. And it, it makes you nervous. But let's take a look at right up at the top, Callum Taron. All right. This is, you'll notice a theme in pretty much my plays in every single range here. Uh, there are guys that I think far outweigh their price with their talent. And they've shown a sign of getting back to who they are. Yeah. Even if it's a small sign. He did the thing again, Greg. Yes. Which is when he makes the cut, he finishes 27th or better. Yes. So, I, I mean, I am a big, I, I've been a big fan of him. And as you can see with, you know, five missed cuts and his last, you know, before last week, um, whatever that is, seven. six events, seven events, it, it's been pretty bad. So it's hurt me from time to time, but I still believe in the, in the talent. I believe in the upside. Uh, and all of a sudden you see him put it together last week in Houston. Um, and, and I, I don't look at this and say, well, you know, like Danny Lee, the around the game, the around the green game has been a real problem for him or his ball striking has been a real problem for him. I, I think this is more a matter of, well, it just hasn't, I, I just haven't put it together. Um, and so I'm going to trust the talent. I'm going to look at that price and say, this is a guy who's good enough to win on the PGA tour, uh, whether he wins this week or not. And he's sitting down here at a very, very affordable price. And he can get me Tony Finau in there. And all of a sudden you put together a lineup that has Tony Finau in there. And your bottom guy is Callum Tarrant who could win. And, and you're, you're putting together a really strong, uh, lineup with extremely high potential, which I like. Um, I would, sign up for, I would sign up for a T26 from Callum Taron right now and play him in every single lineup. Right now. And I think there's a reasonable chance you could get that. Um, of course, we're, in, we're, we're down in an ugly range and there's risk everywhere. But um, that's one that I feel we're mitigating some of that risk. Cheston Hadley, see a mention. I second that. Uh, Michael Thompson, see a mention. I second that. <laughs> Let's go down and get a little ugly here. Yeah, let's do this it. Is, this is ugly. It's the one, this is the lowest I'm willing to go at 6,500 Cam Percy. Oh. All right. This is a profile you want to check out because it's, it's good. It's really good for this range. It shockingly is. He hasn't played a ton. Nope. Right. So, so his last, his three starts ago was the Wyndham. That was in August. Then Long he played Fortinet, which was obviously the first event of this season, T25. And he played more recently in Bermuda, T35. So those were his last three. But, it, it, you know, the rust or whatever you want to call it hasn't really stopped him in those events. Yeah. He's hit it well. Right. He's gained strokes pretty much across the board in there. And, um, and I think we're going to a place where it's a reasonable course fit. Do I expect to see him near the top of the leaderboard? No, but I, I think there's a very good chance that he makes the cut and gives you some, gives you some value. Um, so that'd be the, that'd be the lowest that I'd go the, the, you know, the, the deepest I'd go here. Hey, the last guy I wanted to mention real quick, Rick, uh, Aaron Baddeley, can you pull him up real quick? Because at 6,500, 
Uh, he looks like a guy that could be a cut maker and potentially a, a top 40 guy. Number one in uh, strokes gained last 12 rounds. Wow. Did you know first, that off the top first, of your head? No, I just, I actually just had it sorted that way. So Baddeley oh. was, Baddeley's number one. Percy was number three. Tyson Alexander, the guy who finished runner up last week, that was number mm-hmm. two. Uh, Baddeley's uh, interesting to me. I got a thought on him. I have been a huge fan of Aaron Baddeley. Like when I first got into the game, that was right around the time of the U.S. Open in 2007, where I kind of knew a little bit. I was following Aaron Baddeley was in the mix. I loved his swing. I loved the way he putted. But he went on to shoot 82 in the final round at Oakmont, um, which is not good. Not good by uh, by you know somebody who's in the final group of the U.S. Open. Standards. Um, but so I, I just feel like with Aaron Baddeley, the talent has always been just so much better than the results. I've always I've always felt like a, a letdown. But that being said, he has made some changes. He's gone to a really closed stance, um, which, which is whether it's good or bad is indifferent. It, it's a sign that, you know, he, he may feel like he's figured something out. So maybe a good week for Aaron Badley. He's gained strokes to the field in five of his last six, including 10 strokes he gained to the field. T6 at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. And he's featured in uh, Golf Boys 2.0. There's a really funny line about Aaron Baddeley. If anybody hasn't already listened to that, it's like the best thing ever. Golf Boys 2.0 was written by, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name, but he came on my podcast and now I feel bad about it. His name is Matt Carney. Okay, he's my idol. I have, I have, oh man, I have it in, I have Golf Boys 2.0 in record form. Wow. What? Does that? Did you know that existed? No, I, no, it's fascinating. I didn't. I'm to put my hands on. I don't know where it's at exactly, but I have it. So uh, I'll have to dig dig that out. Um, I think we can suspend the logic and reason portion of the show. Also, I I was not looking at the comments, David. If you would like to, if you would like a Mackenzie Hughes versus Matt Kuchar wager, my Hughes to your Kuchar for a hundred dollars. You got it, bud. Cheers, mate. Let me know about that. Uh, all right. Let's look at the strokes gain narratives. Do we have these? Boom. Here we go. Brent Harris, who I believe is, uh, I think he said he's on last week of paternity. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So what is what is going on here, Sia? This has been split. Okay. I'm looking at the image on the right, which is the bottom half of this tweet on the left, right? That's right. Okay. So when the PGA Tour heads to the RSM Classic, I think about, okay, Sea Island Mafia boys. He, this is Brent's words, not mine. A criminal organization of the PGA Tour. That that's not my words. PGA Tour. I'm just reading what Brent has said. It's a little difficult to read, but head of the family is Brendan the Todd Father. Uh-huh. That's a layup. Uh, Consigliere Davis Three Loves. Davis Three Loves. <laughs> Love it. Uh, underboss. Is that what that says? Yeah. Frankie from the home country, Molinari. <laughs> the wise guy, that's Kevin the Kiz. Does that say Capo? Kappa? Capo. I guess. Capo? I Capo? It's, I don't know. it's very blurry on my screen. Tony, you better pay the fee now. <laughs> <laughs> and his soldier is Tommy Gun Hoagie. That's a pretty good lineup. Wow. That is yeah, strong. I, I really, that's clever. 
Uh, you can't play that lineup because Brent spent four hundred dollars too much, but uh, it's still good. It's still good for what for, for what our purposes are. Good job, Brent. What do we got next? Oh boy. Uh, okay, Chris K says George is the peach state. That's right. So here's his all fruit lineup. Harrison a- apricot apricot. Have you ever had an apricot, Greg? Um, I think so. Maybe in like elementary school. I could see you walking into Trader Joe's. Yeah, I was just thinking of Trader Joe's. And walking right out. <laughs> I'm not going back. I'll never go back. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from the office is where Michael Scott goes, oh, apricot made from real apes. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Oh, God, this is a tongue twister. Francesco. Mola Nectarine is number okay. two. Davis Olive the third. Honey Crisp Gottera. Seamus Pear. And <laughs> what the hell is this? Garrick Higoji Berry? I don't know. I think is. I think goji berries are a thing. That's oh, what's ringing a bell for oh, me. Oh, 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 oh. All right. That's, I don't get any of those. Model Maniac, Sea Island Phonetic Squad, Kyle Westmoreland, Henrik Norlander, Andrew Landry, C. Seamus Power, SEA, Sahith Tagala, SEA, C. SEA, Wu Kim. Wow. Pretty good. Also, honorable mention. How about this one? C. Yanajat. Wow. I made the list. Let's go. You All right. It. You officially made it. Save you, save you some money. <laughs> Ryan says he's running on no sleep, but St. Simons reminds him of classic kids games like Simon Says. Oh, I hated Simon Says. Put your hand on your head. Uh, Simon Says, well, I hated that game. Stupid. <laughs> Well, it, I will say it's a great game to get your kids to do what, what you want them to do. Simon says, right. in your room. Simon mm-hmm. says, uh, throw that in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. Simon said it. You have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a trick. Kevin Red Rover. Did you ever play Red Rover as a kid? That was a dangerous yes. game. No, it was so I, fun. No. Shouldn't play that. I saw, like, dislo- I, I saw a kid like, dislocate his arm playing Red Rover. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They're playing it wrong. Maybe. Marco Polo Hubbard. Chris heads up sevens got her up. See, the key to heads up seven up is you just you put your head down a little bit on the edge of the table, then you look at the kids. Feet, the sneakers, Greg. Then you know the sneakers. So when that you have to identify said child at the front of the room, you just look at the sneaks. That's the so the key to the game is cheating. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you got to figure it out. Yeah, Tyler, kick the Duncan. God, man, I used to kick the can. That is, you are bored when you are kicking a can down the road. Yes, yeah. yes, For yes. <laughs> Garrick Hyde and Higo Seek. That's pretty funny. Yep, I like that. <laughs> this is crazy, Ryan. <laughs> Doc Duck Goose Redman. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> These guys are killing me. Uh, that was pretty funny. All right, John Markowski is here. Um, okay. So John has opted to go a different route. He is going with 
RSM as, ooh, I guess an acronym, and then he is assigning a golfer to said acronym. So here we go. All of these are RSM. Brian Harmon, that is a really small man. Zach Johnson, that is a resident Sea Isle master. Ooh. Davis Riley routinely screws me. <laughs> is there some res- regression soon, maybe, for Taylor Montgomery with the putter? Yes. One of these guys is repping state of Mississippi. That's Hayden Buckley. And Kevin Kisner rounds it out as your raging sponsor machine. All of them are SM. Those were great. Clever. Congratulations, everyone. Fantastic. Oh, boy. I think uh, the classic kids games, I think, wins it. That, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty that Yeah. Was, I haven't thought about those games in, in 25 years. Yeah. That was a good uh, one. It's nice. I don't think kicking the can is an actual game, but it's a thing we did. Oh, that's a game. How do you win it? Uh, well, it, that's something you got to decide on the on the pavement. <laughs> you got to set the rules of the road. Yeah, can control time of possession, uh, number of distance. Yeah, yeah. Distance. oh my god, we were I we were so bored when we kicked the can. That's so funny. Uh, all right, anything else before before we get out of here? No, looking forward to a great week. Simon says, looking forward to a great week. <laughs> Simon says, hit the like button. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> let's start the next show like that <laughs> that is so stupid and so funny all right gents absolute pleasure uh i'm not here tomorrow so somebody's gonna have to hold down the fort for the for the mega preview pod i'll be on my way to sea island that was a jet so I nice will, yeah i'll be back on sunday well, have a great time rick Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Uh, big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. See a Najad. See a see a Najad at see a Najad on Twitter. Greg Ducharme at the Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, pretty PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.